0: some commodities have already begun their fall harvest, the majority of field work is right around the corner. With all the added long hours and work coming up, now is the perfect time to keep safety in mind. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rural Perspectives podcast. I'm your host, Adam Albrecht. And on this episode, we're going to speak with Megan Shasso who serves as the Outreach Coordinator for the Upper Midwest Agricultural, Safety, and Health Center, also known as UMASH. Welcome, Megan.
1: Hi, thank you for having
0: us. Megan, let's start off by getting to know a little bit more about UMASH. If you could please kick us off by talking about who you guys are and what your organization all does.
1: At UMASH, we are one of 11 of what are called U.S. Ag Centers. And we're funded by the CDC NIOSH, so we're federally funded. And what we're in place to do is to help keep farmers, agricultural workers, and their families safe. And so what that actually means we do is we do research projects to better understand some of the hazards in the industry. It also means that we respond to emerging issues. So this year, one of those is obviously COVID. And it also means that we do a lot of outreach, education and community engagement. And that's a lot of what I'm involved in. And so we have 11 of these around the country and a lot of what UMASH does is to really focus on the areas of agriculture that upper Midwest farmers are working on and help to do that more safely and do it in a way that helps folks, you know, go home healthy at the end of the day and farm for as long as they want to.
0: So how has COVID really impacted or changed the way that you guys operate and the resources that you're providing to farmers?
1: That is a great question. Like many organizations, we have had to change a lot of our in-person, actually all of our in-person programming. So being an outreach person, I normally spend a lot of my time doing, you know, the boots on the ground kind of work. So we would see folks out at the annual farm shows. We would be at meetings. We would be at fairs. And so what that's meant for us is that we've had to find ways to connect with the agricultural community differently. So we did the UMASH Online Expo this year. Normally we would have the Wellness and Safety Pavilion at Minnesota Farm Fest and would have things like live demos, exhibits, health screenings. Because we weren't able to do that this year, we, we moved it all online. And then we've also been finding you know innovative ways to try to connect with the community Agriculture is one of those fun sectors where you have the folks that have a landline, like my dad, for example, he's a beef farmer and only tech we really have is the landline. And then everything to, you know, folks with internet and self-driving tractors, all in one machine. So we get to do a little bit on every end of the spectrum. And that's really how our work has been affected this year.
0: So there are obviously several aspects of farm safety that we'll be touching on today. But given that fall really does feel like it's in the air, that means we're about to see a whole lot more field work. And with more field work also means there are increased chances of all types of accidents or potential safety hazards. Uh, Megan, could you just kind of describe what your organization is doing at this point of the year? And what are some big things for farmers and ranchers to keep in mind?
1: Yeah, going into fall and harvest season every year, we're definitely trying to really amp up our communications and some of the conversations that we're having about, you know, health and safety. We know it's not the world's, you know, most fun or sexiest topic, but it really is an important one. And, you know, especially with everything going on in um, a lot of the commodity markets and with COVID, it's as important time as ever. So Something that happens every year going into harvest season is National Farm Safety and Health Week. And so that is gonna be happening in just uh, later September. So it's September 20th through 26th. And this is a great week for folks to really amplify the discussion around having healthy farms. But it's also just a good opportunity to connect with the organizations and the people that are there to support farms farm workers and family members. So aside from this activity, we do, you know, outreach much like this podcast, or we're we're talking to the local radio stations and newspaper outlets. In a, you know, quote unquote, normal year, we would be, you know, doing some in-person meetings. We do a lot of work through people like extension and local cooperatives, but um, this is one of the ways that we're, you know, hoping to get the word out. We have a a big social media presence. So if you ever need a good follow or, you know, quick tips, it's, that's a good way to keep it on top of the mind as well. Some of the key areas that we really like to talk about moving into harvest season, you know, they depend on each operation, but one that is common, regardless of what you're doing is typically going to be that roadway safety. So there's gonna typically be a lot more traffic for farm machinery on various kinds of roads, whether you're incredibly rural or on the edge of the metro. So a good activity to do ahead of that is to you know check on the lighting on the machinery that you know you'll be using, especially at night, um, making sure signs and markings are in good condition. It's, it's common t- for roadway incidents to be one of the most common and one with the nastiest outcomes every year. So that's a really great thing to do ahead of time. And it's like you hear in every defensive driving class: you really can't control anybody's driving but your own. So doing everything you can to to be seen is going to be pretty important. Um, for anyone that's doing silage harvest, a lot of that is already started up, but similar similar things to be thinking about. So the machinery and equipment, getting the lightings and marking, but also considering areas like having people in high-vis clothing, having some kind of meeting ahead of time where you establish, you know, what fields are we starting on? Um, You know, do we have any plan for any add-in products? And then you can just toss some safety messages in on something like that. This year, there are a lot of kids at home, so we know that the farm is a great place for kids to be. I'm a grown-up farm kid, but making sure that they have designated play areas, or you know that, that, that they're not getting, you know, in the yard when it's high traffic, anything like that. You know, depending on the district, kids might be home full time right now, and we know that. So, you know, keeping that top of mind is really going to be important. There are also resources that help. Uh, parents, especially, match the jobs that kids are doing to their development level because it can be really hard to know because kids get so smart so fast what they should be doing and you know the the two other ones that I really hit on are one of them being fatigue and farming we do the work when the weather cooperates, and we know that, but um, you know being cognizant of you know taking care of your body so doing things like getting rest when you can, eating well when you, you know, are eating, taking breaks. Those really do make a big difference in, you know, being able to, to drive well, to make decisions, all of that. And finally, grain bins are a really big one this time of year, or just the grain site in general. So, you know, we've seen a lot of grain bin incidents in the past few years that's, you know, been pretty well publicized. So, whenever there's flowing grain, you know, making sure that there are no people in that area, doing the lockout tag out if you're gonna be working on an auger or cleaning something out. And then something else that is, you know, sort of tough this year is gonna be respiratory protection. So normally we're gonna be recommending for folks to have N95s around corner soybean dust, especially. They're starting to come back into the market. But, you know, doing whatever kind of respiratory protection you have available is going to, you know, keep folks feeling a little healthier, especially with soybean dust. We hear a lot of complaints about it really just bothering, you know, the nasal cavity, getting a tickle, getting a cough, things like that.
0: I want to come back to just some roadway safety just for a quick bit. I mean, anybody who's really driven out in the country come spring planting or specifically fall harvest knows that these large machines can and, and trucks can definitely bring mud and things onto the roadway. And so even if you don't see any equipment itself, you should also still be and drive cautious because of the mud and everything that they bring with, correct?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's it's not uncommon to see, um, you know, especially the area right outside of a field drive to, you know, get kind of tracked up these times of years. And it's, it's easy to sneak up on machinery. So if you're a, a driver out in a rural area, it's totally plausible that you're gonna be on an area that's curvy, hilly, you know, things that are kind of the opposite of a, a wide open highway. So using just some of that extra caution can really be impactful when we're in these high traffic seasons like harvest and planting.
0: And some smaller and older tractors don't always come with the, the best of safety equipment like roll bars. How much of a difference does a feature like a roll bar make when it comes to accidents?
1: That's a great question. Roll bars are one of the most effective ways to prevent death, especially with tractors. So if a person is wearing their seatbelt and on a tractor that has a roll bar installed, that prevents, you know, I believe it, I believe they're like 90-something percent effective. I mean, they're an incredibly effective measure if you're on a vehicle that does end up either tipping or rolling, which depending on your geography, you know, can be fairly common. I'm from the southeast part of Minnesota, so it's, you know, really bluff country. And, you know, even if you're in a cornfield, in a soybean field, it's it's quite possible you'll be on some highly sloped areas. So it's a great thing to look into at any point. There are a number of programs that help offset those costs. You know, the one caveat I have with roll bars is it really is important to have a seat belt on when you're wearing them. We unfortunately do see quite a few incidents where you know, someone gets thrown off of a a rolling tractor and then you know can be crushed by that so if you don't have your seatbelt on it's not quite so effective
0: and you mentioned before grain bins now of course when you take the crop off the field and you want to put it away you know grain bins do provide a very potentially dangerous and in even deadly situation we've seen quite a few of those not only just getting trapped of course within the grain of the grain pulling you down but also such as last year when there was such high moisture content because of all the moisture we received, you know, the potentially dangerous fumes. So that really is one of the most deadly or potentially deadly parts of a farm.
1: Yeah, there are a number of hazard, pretty high hazard areas in grain sites. And so we can maybe break down a few of those. But the during harvest, it's actually a great time to be thinking about some of these um, prevention measures. So when you see incidents surrounding, you know, engulfment or entrapment, that oftentimes happens because the, the grain went in wet or high moisture or without a lot of debris or, you know, the bin was leaking. You know, there, there are a lot of reasons. And so you end up getting out of condition corn. And that's often what draws people in is they got to, you know, knock down a wall of grain or th- something's plugged. So um, doing everything you can during harvest to prevent things like that, whether it's checking seals or people don't purposely harvest wet grain, but, um, you know, trying to keep it as dry and um as little extra foreign material inside as possible is gonna keep more people out of those bins in the first place. Um, so that's something to be thinking about during harvest, but yeah, there the other you know, things happening near these are, we're gonna see a lot of PTOs, equipment, and so making sure that there are covers on any kind of, um, you know, moving equipment. So if you're, you know, you got an auger, keeping those covers on PTO covers on if you're doing silage harvest any of that you know chopping equipment as well and then lockout tagout kits have been getting a lot of you know attention lately and it's a great way if you have especially if you have a number of people on any given farm or site working it's a great way to communicate that you know someone is inside and it prevents it from getting powered up the nice thing about it too, is you can make homemade ones. You don't have to go out and buy them, though you certainly can, um, but just making sure nothing gets powered up while anybody is inside of a, a bin or whatever the site might be. Um, but those are really some of the, the key areas. The most common incidents that we're seeing um, really do tend to be some of those engulfment and entrapment incidents, and those are both highly fatal, but it also is a lot of this you know, moving moving equipment as well, like augers.
0: And of course, it it doesn't hurt to to work with somebody, at least in a tandem, when it comes to grain bins, correct?
1: Absolutely. It's a great way to, you know, make sure that if something does happen, that someone's able to, you know, get help. So, um, working in pairs and, you know, I know a lot of people are farming by themselves or they're, they're splitting up tasks. So at minimum, letting someone know, you know, Hey, I'm going to be crawling into, you know, this bin and making sure somebody knows, even if you are going to be alone, but ideally, yeah, working in pairs, especially during some of those higher hazard jobs, especially around the grain sites, And we also, you know, we really share that same message when talking about silage as well. So whether you have a silo or you have a bunker and pile, um, you're still going to have silo gas. And that's another really critical one to be working in pairs because it can really knock people out quick.
0: Now, of course, that's more on the crop side of things, but there are livestock producers out there listening along. And livestock can also present a set of safety risks of their own. What are some important things to keep in mind when working with or around animals?
1: It's really important to remember what startles animals and how to move them in a way that keeps them calm. You know, a calm, low stress animal is also going to produce better. So, you know, We'll talk about cattle, for example, that they have a pressure zone, which is the best way to move them in a certain direction. So, you know, that's going to be especially like out to their sides with a few feet away from them. Once you get into their flight zone, that's, you know, within a a foot or two of them. You know, that's really what's going to spook them. And that's when we can see people get hurt by cattle. You know, even the most calm animals can can turn. And so keeping those things in mind, doing anything that you can to minimize startles are gonna be great as well. So they can get spooked by anything from, you know, a strange shadow on the ground, to noises, to like something flapping. So say you have a sweatshirt tighter around your waist, for example, that's a, a funny color, that might startle an animal. So keeping things like that in mind, and, you know, of course we're we're coming up on flu season as well and that's one of those diseases that moves between people and animals, specifically pigs. So um, you know, making sure folks that are, you know, working around the animals feel healthy, getting the flu shot is a great thing to do. But we we do see a lot of animal handling in, injuries associated with handling animals. So Those are some of the key areas to to keep in mind. And we actually have a number of videos that are really good for training, especially in the COVID time. You know, you don't have to have somebody there. You You can go through this content with family members, workers, neighbors, whoever it might be that are gonna be around the animals. And it really helps go through in detail how they react. You know, where can they see? Cattle see? not so well directly in front of them and not at all directly behind them. And, you know, knowing those things make it easier to to handle an animal in a way that's going to keep everybody happy.
0: Now, of course, with livestock comes manure and manure management is very important, but it also presents some some risks of its own. There's a personal story that we have from a, a customer out in Wisconsin who Despite an open air pit, those fumes and gases bubble up. And of course, you can't see them and they can be fatal. What are some best practices when it comes to manure management?
1: Yeah, that family in Wisconsin really did do everything right. And it just shows how dangerous that it can be. But, you know, this is another one where it really depends on what your storage situation is going to be, especially anyone that's gonna have a pit, a lagoon, whether it's confined or open, those are gonna be the highest risk areas. So one of the the key things to do is gonna be preventing anyone from getting too close to it, especially if they're not familiar with it. So thinking about fencing it off, signing it off, anything like that's really important, especially if you have visitors, especially if you have kids. But as far as the gases go, there are gas monitors, which can be used um, in the event that you do need to be in that area. The caveat would be they can give folks a false sense of security and this gas can really hang out in pockets, so it can really sneak up on you. So... The key thing to think about here is gonna be ventilation, which is not all too different than what we talk about when we talk about silo gas. So making sure there's fresh air, again, working in pairs, and then you know marking off the areas are all gonna be some of the most important things when it comes to working around manure. And then when it comes to, if you're doing seasonal hauls, or if you have something like dry pack and you're doing it you know, more regularly, Making sure that all of that equipment is, you know, functioning properly. There have been issues where people have had, you know, things get plugged and had an incident. Um, so those are some of the, the key activities when working around manure. But we know that there's usually a big, a big push for hauling, um, usually post harvest. So you know, we know that that's coming up as well. Um, And another big issue with that one can be fatigue just because it's such a short window, um, depending on what county or part of the state that you might end up being in.
0: Now, I don't think it's any secret at this point that more and more people want to know where their food comes from. Some farms and ranches are playing off that concept with uh, agritourism. If there is a farmer or rancher out there listening along who is thinking of adding this element to their operation, what are things they should keep in mind before they do?
1: Yeah, agritourism is is increasingly popular and it is a really exciting venue for folks to connect with their their food system and, you know, back with their farmers in the land. Um, and it is it's we're going to be seeing a very big agritourism season with, you know, pumpkin patches, apple orchards, um, everything kind of like that. And a lot of them are outdoor, which makes them, you know, still a, a fairly good activity given the circumstances but um, for anyone thinking about going into it or anybody that already is an agritourism vendor there are a few training opportunities that I can talk about but one of the the key things is for anyone that has animals so if you've got a petting zoo especially we've seen a number of outbreaks happen and one of the most well-known ones was um, traced back to the miracle of birth exhibit at the state fair last year. So it's pretty well known that animals can get people sick. And so those are called zoonotic diseases, anything that goes between humans and animals or back and forth. So things like, you know, E. coli, campylobacter um, are some of the more common ones that we've heard of. So things like having hand-washing stations built and available is gonna be really important for folks with animals, especially if you're also having food. Those two things don't go well if you don't have good hand-washing. Any kind of signage is really good for, for keeping the people healthy, but also for you know things like liability. And again, that's something that varies by state. Um, so I would encourage folks to look into that but you know people that are having that don't have animals it's still a good idea to have things like any kind of signage so if you have a building where you're storing tools any chemicals or products we're going to want to lock buildings like that but also having any kind of signage up for that kind of area and having employees be trained is a really good preventive measure as well so We have a number of checklists and training programs that people can go through and get an actual certificate. And that goes through everything from, you know, some of the, the hazard areas to how to actually structure an exhibit. So if you're at the point where you don't know, you know, what your layout might be, there are, you know, really great opportunities. So for example, if you have animals and food, You typically would want to order those as such that people would eat first so that they're not, you know, feeding a calf and then eating. So those are those are definitely the things to consider if you are thinking about adding it or if you're already, you know, taking place in those activities.
0: Now, I know UMASH is pretty active on the mental health front. This issue has really become a major focus given the struggles that some have faced within agriculture over the past few years. What role does your organization play when it comes to mental health and what type of message would you like to get out there about it?
1: Yeah, this is an issue area that we have been working in for a number of years at this point, but I think some of the key pieces here are to, to be aware of what some of the signs and symptoms of chronic stress might be, and to also kind of equip yourself with some language that you might have just in, in your back pocket or on your phone, wherever it might be, in the event that you feel like, you know, someone that you know well might be struggling with chronic stress or with a mental health issue. So when it comes to stress, there are behavioral signs and there are also physical signs. So, you know, if people's they've suddenly, their mood is different, they're irritable, and this can be in yourself too. So this isn't just about somebody else, but you can notice these things in yourself. And then some of the physical signs might be like changes in weight and eating. I've seen a lot of older farmers that have talked about how they they have stomach problems and that actually can be a sign of stress tr- struggling with your sleep everything like that and then on top of having a, a, an idea of what some of those signs are having that language like i mentioned and we have some resources like this because you know i myself know that it can be hard to have some of these conversations but knowing how to ask so saying things like how are you feeling or how long have you been feeling like this? Or just, I'm concerned about you. Can all be ways to you know start a conversation with someone you think might be struggling. And I know um, Emily Krekelberg, she's a, a extension educator in the state of Minnesota. And she's always talking about, I don't remember the exact phrase, but basically it's, it's better to upset or bug a friend than it is to lose a friend. So even if it's kind of uncomfortable, having, being prepared to, to have this conversation is one of the key things that we can talk about when it comes to mental health. But on the prevention side, again, it's it's important to, to be taking care of yourself, you know, physically, but also to know how to, you know, take breaks and disconnect and, you know, spend time with your community and have some of that social connectedness, which is, you know, even harder this year, but those are some of those really protective factors. and. Something that we did is we've created little pages that you can print out. So, you know, I have one at my desk that talks through what the signs and symptoms are and what some of the questions you can ask might be. So that's a good way to do it. And people can always um, reach out to us and we can always share and send those.
0: I think one of the the issue areas uh, on this subject is is just trying to decide what's, you know, seasonal stress and and what re- is going to require something more. Do you draw a line somewhere on when someone should seek help versus just maybe take some of these proactive approaches come harvest season? What's stress and what's actually a potentially life-threatening point where someone should seek help?
1: Yeah, I will answer this with a caveat that I am not a mental health practitioner, but I think that one of the key things to think about is the timeline and the longevity is important. Like you said, there are very well-known seasons of sacrifice as I call them in agriculture. So harvest and spring are demanding times. They're also often, you know, exciting times for a lot of folks, so it's kind of a give and a take and it can actually end up being that winter is harder for folks if you're, you know, less active and it's dark and cold. So the longevity factor is is an important one to think about and also the what, you know, thinking about what the signs and symptoms are, like is a person consistently talking about wanting to end their life even if it's in a joking or you know, kind of indirect manner. Is the person like not showing up to things that they always used to or giving things away? Those can be more serious signs. We have um, a project that we did with the NAMI Minnesota, so it's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. They have a course that's called QPR, which is Question, Persuade, Refer, which is essentially just a very short version of a suicide prevention class. And it is set up in a way that it accommodates the agriculture community specifically. So for anybody that wants to know more about how you do recognize someone that might be in a crisis or really could use um, an intervention, that's a good option. And there's also another course that we have on our website recorded. It's called Talk Saves Lives. And that comes from another nonprofit organization. So I think equipping yourself with the knowledge of what is, you know, what is stress in the short-term and what is something that's more chronic and perhaps more serious. Because like you said, we all have, we all have short-term stress and some of the symptoms that get mentioned, I think we, we all feel at some point. So it can be one of those areas where it's hard to draw a line and worst case scenario, you check on someone and they are okay. So I think that is a it's an important one to just, you know, have all those things ruminating when you're interacting with, you know, your neighbors, your family members, whoever it might be.
0: Megan, where can people go to find out more about UMASH?
1: Everyone can check out our website. That is at umash.umn.edu. We have our, our email, our phone. So if people you know, are a little averse to the internet, people are also welcome to call. It's 612-625-8836. But we have, you know, everything I've talked about today is on our website. And like I said, we're happy to connect further with anybody that would be, you know, interested in getting these resources out into the right hands or or hear it.
0: Well, thank you very much for a great conversation today. Hopefully people take these tips and they check out more resources on your website and and really stay safe this harvest season. We
1: couldn't agree more. We are excited for harvest season and we hope that everybody has a, a successful one and that gets home safe at the end of each day.
0: Awesome. Well, Megan, thank you very much. Thank you, Adam. That's Megan Shasso who serves as the outreach coordinator for the Upper Midwest Agricultural Safety and Health Center. That's going to do it on this episode of the Rural Perspectives podcast, which is a production of Egg Country Farm Credit Services. To get more great content, please visit www.agcountry.com.